to Easy Bake Takes, the podcast, where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, I was about to go, hello. <laughs> I, was I wish like, you no. did. I wish you did. Hello. That would have been great. <laughs> so, if you can't tell, we're doing something British. <laughs> We've brought it up in, a, I think, two separate episodes. Megamind and the Dark Knight, maybe, were the two. We, talk- we talked about it twice. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do Sherlock Holmes. We're doing the first movie this week. So the first one came out in 2009. It's two hours and 18 minutes long, and it's rated PG-13. And the plot is... In 1890 London, private detective Sherlock Holmes and his partner, Dr. John Watson, prevent the ritualistic murder of a woman by Lord Henry Blackwood, who has killed five women. Inspector Lestrade and the police arrest Blackwood. Two months later, Watson, engaged to Mary Morstan, is moving out of 221B Baker Street. He looks forward to not having to deal with Holmes' eccentricities. Blackwood, who claims to have supernatural powers, is sentenced to death by hanging, but not before he records quest to see Holmes, warning him of three more unstoppable deaths that will cause great changes to the world. Holmes is visited by former adversary Irene Adler, who asks him to find a missing man named Luke Riordan. After her departure, Holmes follows her as she meets with her secret employer, deducing that the man is a professor and that he intimidates Adler. Meanwhile, a sighting of living Blackwood and his tomb destroyed from the inside out lead to belief Blackwood has risen from the grave. Riordan is found inside Blackwood's coffin. Following a series of clues from the body, Holmes and Watson find Riordan's hideout and discover experiments attempting to merge science with magic. After Holmes and Watson survive a battle with Blackwood's men, when the latter try to torch the lab, Holmes is taken to the Temple of the Four Orders, a secret magical fraternity with considerable political influence. The leaders, Lord Chief Justice Sir Thomas Rotherham, U.S. Ambassador Standish, and Home Secretary Lord Coward, ask Holmes to (laughs) stop Blackwood, a former member of the society and Sir Thomas's secret illegitimate son. That night, Sir Thomas drowns in his bath as Blackwood watches, and the next night, Lord Coward calls a meeting of the Order, where he nominates Blackwood to take command in place of Sir Thomas. Blackwood reveals to the group his intention to seize control of the British Empire and reconquer the United States. Standish tries to shoot Blackwood, but bursts into flames when he pulls the trigger of his gun, falling out a window to his death. Coward issues an arrest warrant for Holmes, causing him to go into hiding. Holmes studies the rituals of the order and recognizes their symbols in Blackwood's staging of the murders. From this, he deduces that the targets of the final murder are every elected member of parliament. With the aid of Lestrade, Holmes fakes his arrest and is taken to see Coward, where he observes evidence on Coward's clothes to deduce Blackwood has conducted a ceremony in the sewers beneath the palace of Westminster. Holmes escapes. Holmes, Watson, and Adler find Blackwood's men in the sewers guarding a device based on Riordan's experiments, designed to release cyanide gas into the parliament chambers and kill all but Blackwood's supporters, to whom he has secretly given an antidote. Blackwood comes before parliament and announces their impending deaths, then attempts to activate the cyanide device by remote control. Adler is able to deactivate it with a controlled explosion. Coward is apprehended as Blackwood flees parliament. Holmes chases Adler, who has taken canisters of cyanide from the device, through the sewers to the top of the incomplete tower bridge, where they are confronted by Blackwood. Blackwood fights Adler and forces her off the bridge into the river taking the canister from her. He and Holmes then fight, as the latter reveals he has deduced how all of Blackwood's supposed supernatural feats were merely the work of science and trickery. Tangled in ropes, Blackwood plummets off
off the bridge and is hanged by the chains. Adler has landed on a scaffolding platform and tells Holmes that her employer is Professor Moriarty and that the professor is not to be underestimated. As Watson moves out of 221B, a police constable reports to Holmes that a dead officer was found near Blackwood's device. Moriarty used the confrontations with Adler and Blackwood as a diversion while he took a key component based on the infant science of radio from the machine. Holmes considers the case reopened. So, this movie was directed by Guy Ritchie, who I am not super acquainted with as a, as a director, but I have only ever heard a lot of people say they fucking hate his movies. Oh, dang. I think the only other of his movies that I've seen is he wrote The Man from Uncle. I don't think I've seen any other of his movies. He directed the live-action Aladdin. Did not see it. <laughs> Same. And then the screenplay was written by Mark Robert Johnson, Anthony Peckham, and Simon Kinberg. And if you don't know, this is based on Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the man who created and wrote about Sherlock Holmes. I wonder if he would have liked the movie. Some people who are fans, I didn't include a whole lot of them because I don't, I didn't, I haven't read a bunch of Sherlock things. We're not British. We didn't have to do that. <laughs> Uh, some people said that they feel like he would actually really enjoy it, and some other people just took their own personal feelings into account instead of thinking of him. Mm -hmm. With the cast, we have Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock Holmes. Hell yeah. Jude Law as Dr. Watson. Rachel McAdams as Irene Adler. Uh, she was in the movie. <laughs> I thought she was good. Yeah. I love that she was American. Like, they put no effort. They were like, we're not going to attempt that. We're going to make this so easy for you. <laughs> it was giving 1800s Regina George. It was... <laughs> it was. Mark Strong plays Lord Henry Blackwood. Kelly Riley plays Mary Morstan. And Eddie Marson plays Inspector Lestrade. So, with the trivia... So, the budget was $90 million And it made... 524 million at the box office yeah i think they might have made their money back <laughs> yeah i think they did when it came out my family was obsessed with these mm -hmm. I, i'll say this later you know what i'm gonna save it yeah we've talked about it before like both of our families it was it was like everybody was happy to go see it it was we all loved it you were a, you were a sherlock holmes fan you were a robert downey jr fan or you were against the family <laughs> My father, when he went to Mexico, they call him Tony Stark down there. <laughs> so scary. That's so terrifying. So I have no feelings towards Mr. Downey Jr. That's fair. <laughs> we were an Iron Man family and the Sherlock Holmes family. Yeah. That and the Dark Knight, we could all agree. <laughs> this is a good time. <laughs> But I don't, have you ever read any of the original Sherlock Holmes stories? I read one in elementary school. Ah, elementary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was of the like, uh, it was like a, a bloodhound that was eating people or something. I, I think I'm butchering it, but that was essentially what it was. Okay. I don't think I've ever read one personally, but just I wanted to ask that because obviously the uh, original text is going to come up as like a trivia thing. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I have is the film considerably departs from Doyle's original where Holmes never met Adler again after the one occasion where she outwitted and greatly impressed him. So she doesn't have as much of a role in the books. They just they kind of expanded her character to have more of a role. I think it was smart, especially since she's the one person that has outsmarted him, mm -hmm. it intrigues him. <laughs> she drugged him and he was like, I like this lady <laughs> exactly it she 
she's a she's a compelling character. She's a good match for him, yeah. E- exactly. The next thing I have is that director of photography, Philip Brusolo, used a special high-speed digital camera specifically for the punch bowl fight sequence. The key moment where Holmes punches his opponent's jaw was filmed one second in real time and turned into a seven-second shot without any additional post-production aid. That's crazy. I was wondering, like, what special effects had to go into that. Just the camera. Yeah. That's super cool. That's actually one of my favorite scenes. I always wondered how it looked so crisp. Yeah, and just real. Yeah, the more I learned about special effects and filmmaking, I was like, how did they... How could they have done that that back then (laughs) and it looked that crisp still? The green screen work alone, you're like, oh. When they're at the very end when he's up there with Adler, I'm like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bad. That scene though was really good. That's actually probably one of my top 10 favorite scenes in a movie. Yeah, that, that's the only thing I really remembered from this movie before rewatching it. Mm-hmm. But something interesting, we'll see how this goes. We know this is kind of a trend lately, but HBO Max and, or just Max now, whatever, and Robert Downey Jr. are producing a TV series spinoff. And he'd be Sherlock? I don't know if he's starring in it, but he is producing it. I would watch it if he's Sherlock. Yeah. If he's not, I don't have an interest. Yeah. I'll probably at least watch the first episode and just see how it is. Okay. That's fair. Because it could be somebody who's equally as good at it as him. Somebody he's like passing the torch on to that he trusts too. You know? True. So the way that Robert Downey Jr. got this role is so him and his wife, producer Susan Downey, were visiting Joel Silver's offices when he learned about the project. Richie initially felt that Downey was too old for the role because he wanted the film to show a younger home on a learning curve like Batman Begins. Richie decided to take a chance on casting him in the role and Downey told the BBC that, quote, I think me and Guy are well suited to working together. The more I look into the books, the more fantastic it becomes. Holmes is such a weirdo, end quote. Every time I learn about Downey getting a role for something, his wife is always pushing it, you know, a little bit or like encouraging him. I love their relationship so much. I do too. And he owes her his whole career. Oh yeah, and he knows it. And he knows that he thinks for him. He's obsessed with her too yeah i love it it's so sweet yeah but the next fact is also about robert downey jr and his approach to the character i don't know if you know about his role in this but i can we can talk about it a little more after i read this so downey intended to focus more on holmes's patriotic side and his bohemianism and felt that his work on chaplin had prepared him for an english accent richie feels his accent is flawless interesting he played charlie chaplin in a biopic about him and i have never seen it but i've seen clips from it he did fucking amazing as chaplin yeah like i'm sure he did roles like sherlock holmes and charlie chaplin feel like where we're really seeing him we're seeing the talent yeah we're seeing what he's got yeah and not just because he's doing a british accent his physical acting in the charlie chaplin movie is amazing and it's not that we didn't know he wasn't a good actor because he has shown us years before he was yeah he just dropped off definitely he was reminding everyone just how good he is yeah he's probably gonna win an oscar this year for oppenheimer still haven't seen it don't have it in me it's a lot i don't like <laughs> you <laughs> No one's going to have to trick me into watching it. Like, exactly. I, <laughs> she's going to like just quietly put it on. That's how we watched Dunkirk. That's how we watched 1917. <laughs> I never knowingly watched those things. Yeah. Next, I have that Jude Law being a Holmes fan, he recognized that there was material unexplored in other adaptations and was intrigued by Downey's casting. Law was cast because he had a positive meeting with Downey and concurred the film would have to explore Holmes and Watson's friendship. Downey believed by emphasizing Watson's 
person's qualities as a former soldier, a doctor, a womanizer, and a gambler, it would make for a more interesting foil for Holmes. Law made a notebook of phrases from the stories to improvise into his dialogue. That's pretty cool. And I like that they were more interested in finding a different angle for these characters. There was like a 1930s and a 1940s TV show adaptation of Sherlock Holmes at this point. It was pretty famous. And so I like that they were all pretty on board with taking it in a different direction. Yeah, that's nice to know. So Downey convinced Richie to cast McAdams, arguing she would not look too young to be his love interest. McAdams welcomed the opportunity to play a character who is, quote, her own boss and a real free spirit, end quote. How old was she in this movie? Let's see, this was 2009. Let me look it up. I like the idea that, like, yeah, she's not, like, some 20-something-year-old. She's 31. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed. Appropriately aged. I didn't realize he had composed it, but Hans Zimmer scored this movie. And so Zimmer, to do the score, he purchased an out-of-tune piano for $200 and used it throughout the scoring process because of its quirkiness. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And it sounds so cool with the untuned piano. It does. Before you go to the next one, I think I can guess what it is because I thought the same thing when I was watching it. Do you want me to read it first or do you want to guess first? I want to guess first. Is it the theory that he might be Jack the Ripper? So (laughs) there are repeated references to five women murdered by Lord Blackwood before the beginning of the movie. Five is also the number of women that the bulk of historians agree were murdered by Jack the Ripper. Additional victims are disputed. So yeah, I mean, the concept of the killer Blackwood, like, yeah, that's this similar era like he could have been jack the ripper i think that's just a a detail that just fits so well so british it's so british (laughs) (laughs) well and his his father said in the movie like yeah there were five victims that you know of but he's been killing people for a long time and i know it just said that jack the ripper only really officially had five victims yeah but like they don't know for sure they don't even know who he is exactly so there you go guy Ritchie wanted to keep the tradition of Holmes and watson's apartment being quite messy and it had it decorated with artifacts and scientific objects from the continents they would have visited oh i like that two best friends and one of them's gay (laughs) just like you and me (laughs) that's the best song i've ever written It was good. Do you remember that that, that's not new? That's not new? You did just make that up on the spot? I made that up when we did El Dorado. (gasps) That's right, you did. Mm -hmm. And it fits in this movie so well, too. This movie is very bisexual as well. Two best friends and one of them's gay. Just like you and me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm glad you you got the homoerotic tension as well. Oh, I'm sorry. It hit me in the face. (laughs) Yeah, it's just what this movie is. This, it's a beating throughout the whole mm-hmm. movie. It's just like, I get it. He's in love with him. I, under, I understand. Mm-hmm. Sherlock Homo. <laughs> Good lord. How about the next thing I have? Watson's line to Holmes, you know what you're drinking is for eye surgery, is an obscure reference to Holmes' cocaine usage. At the time, cocaine was used as a topical anesthetic for eye surgery. In stories, Holmes injects cocaine. That's crazy. Oh, so he he's just on coke all the time. When I read that fact, and then I was watching the scene where... He's like sitting in the dark, shooting his gun at the wall. And when he's like, be gentle with me, Watson. He like opens <laughs> it. And him like running around. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just scurrying around. That's coke. Yeah. 
That makes sense. I'm sorry, he jumps from, from so <laughs> many buildings in this movie. But the next thing I have is Robert Maillet, Dredger, the guy, the big dude that comes in with the burning thingy, accidentally knocked out Robert Downey Jr. while <laughs> filming a fight scene. That is a big dude. I can understand how that would be. It would be an accident. Absolutely. The way he picks him up and Robert Downey Jr. goes... <gasps> That always made me cackle. It's real fear. It's real fear. Like, because I'm sure he was told, I'm going to pick you up. He's like, okay, yeah. Come here, baby. Uppies. <laughs> I can imagine a grown man like Robert Downey Jr. being told, I'm going to pick you up, and then actually being picked up easily. It has to install some kind of fear. And if that same guy is knocked you out accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> You're like a little kitten at that point. You're just like, oh. <laughs> oh, nap time. <laughs> Reggie uppies. <laughs> I love that. In stories, Holmes is described to be an expert in Buritsu. In the film, however, the martial arts that Holmes used is Wing Chun Kung Fu, famously used by Men Yi and Bruce Lee. Robert Downey Jr. is a practitioner of the art in real life, and the fight scene between him and David Garrick at punch bowl pit was coordinated with the help of his trainer it's just such an interesting thing to add to like add to this character i love it i think it's fantastic yeah i think it gives him like it discombobulated <laughs> it's going around discombobulating everyone yeah yeah you can't use that word unless you could do that to people you know <laughs> but the last thing i had which i didn't realize but it makes sense he does such a good job robert Downey jr actually won a golden globe for best actor for this movie yeah absolutely it's amazing he just embodies sherlock holmes so well i don't associate sherlock holmes with anyone else so that's the end of the trivia so i you you've told me that you're very excited so in my head i was like i really hope this holds up because i really enjoyed it as a kid and i was so happy when i watched it and i was like it's so good it's just like when i was a kid i noticed cooler stuff it's gay <laughs> so there's a <laughs> It's a, there's a different tone. He has an affinity for jazz music. <laughs> there's many things that are interesting about him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I have no notes about anything negative. This is a classic 2009 action comedy movie. Yeah, it's a good period piece as well. Like it's, it looks great other than CGI, but that has nothing to do with period pieces. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's so good in it. Every, everyone acts amazing. But the villain was a douche, but that's a given. That's his thing. He's in a secret society, you know? He's, I didn't realize, and this is probably just rewatching it now, like, Deuce like colonist. Like he was a... Uh, go back to america and make it the british empire again once i heard that part in it i was like oh he's trying to do what <laughs> he's trying to take what <laughs> these colors don't bleed motherfucker <laughs> but he's kind of the villain he uh, what what word am i trying to describe i don't know he's just kind of dorky oh yeah he's doing magic tricks he's trying to do magic and the whole time he's not doing magic the ending is equivalent of like the magician trying to do a trick and then drops all the cards and has to <laughs> bend down and pick them up <laughs> it does feel like so embarrassing to have somebody be like i know how you did all your tricks and it's not they're not even that good you just did science uh dork and it's all in that one scene everything could be found out and of course we didn't know it but also i will say sherlock's got a crazy nose half the shit he figures out is just by smelling stuff the man's tried a lot of drugs i'm assuming <laughs> tried a lot of he's like is, will this do something to me will this do something to me <laughs> 
Yeah, but that is a, it is a dorky villain because like you're first of all, no magic trick is real. Sorry, guys. We're not even left with like something like, oh, how did he do that? Huh? No, everything is completely. What's that word? Figured out. Yeah, solved. Solved. Yeah. Is that all that you had for right now? Yeah. Yeah. I just love, like you were saying, it's is very unsettled. He's pining for Watson the whole time. Hardcore. Like he's like, no, you cannot leave. No, you cannot get married and move out of our house like he's breaking down throughout the whole movie i also don't think i've watched it since i was younger yeah no it's it's like how did i i wasn't out yet so i guess <laughs> i i didn't even know i was gay so how was i supposed to tell if they were you know it's so heavy-handed it's so in your face it's like okay i get it he's in love with him i wish watson would get it you know like come on Forget about her. <laughs> he knows you so well that he knows he can just bring a, bo a dead body in the room and then you'll help him solve something. Exactly. He's so manipulative too because like he leaves the gun so he knows he'll come looking for him to give him the gun. I love the scene where the fortune teller comes up. He's like, what about the, what about the... He goes, what about the warts? Oh, the warts. <laughs> Dear Lord, the warts. Watson goes, does your depravity have no bounds? He goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a very he's like the um chaotic good joker he's the joker if the joker was trying to solve crimes have you seen the subliminal grilled cheese thing with trisha paytas and ethan klein on frenemies <laughs> no she posted like grocery ingredients on her instagram and he was like i saw you posted this weird thing on your instagram and she was like yeah i was hoping that you would see it and like you'd know that i wanted to make grilled cheeses together on the show <laughs> And he's like, that is literally insane. What are you talking about? She's like, I thought you would get it. <laughs> that's, that's so fucking funny. It is. And so... <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I see the clip. She thought he would read into it that hard like she did. That is so fucking funny. It's like one of the funniest moments from the show. Because you know she genuinely, genuinely thought that. And there's like nothing like malicious about it it's just no it's like a cute stupid crazy moment from that show yeah it's wild <laughs> <laughs> but the, the sherlock holmes made me think of that so um do with that what you will but watson would pick up on it he would eventually figure it out he would just purposefully not do it <laughs> yeah exactly sherlock holmes is just like <clears throat> stomping up the stairs <laughs> Fine, I'll kill the dog again. <laughs> he just goes and he pretend hangs himself again. <laughs> Jesus. And I like how Watson's just like, get down. Get down from there. He, he, she gasps and goes, no, he's fine. And he like pokes him. <laughs> Don't give Don't him the attention. <laughs> this is what, what he, he wants. wants. <laughs> okay, but that's all I have to say about it. Do you have anything else you want to say before I move on to the critics? No. So, this movie was critically panned. 70% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 77% from audience, 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. It's lower than I thought it would be. I'm telling you, it's not as uh, beloved as we'd like to believe. That's shitty. Yeah. The first one I have is Joy Tipping from Dallas Morning News from December of 2009, who gave it a 5 out of 5, and says, quote, Some Sherlock Holmes purists may take offense at this down-and-dirty portrayal in the new Guy Ritchie-directed film, in this Sherlock Holmes, the protagonist acted with smirking verve by Robert Downey Jr. bears no hint of the coolly dapper Basil Rathbone style detective we've seen in previous screened incarnations. Despite the deviations from the writer Arthur Conan Doyle's version of this hero, however, I strongly suspect the author would have approved of the script's originality and excitement. 
This is rip-roaring action adventure of high order, a sometimes dizzying but ultimately thrilling display of showmanship on the part of the actors, director, and screenwriters. At times, the movie feels like the best of the Harry Potter franchise, and at other points, it veers into a Da Vinci Code territory in a good way. It also has that gritty, unsavory London setting of Sweeney Todd. But although Richie clearly borrows from other films, it always feels like homage rather than mere copying, and it works gloriously, end quote. I was wondering where to pinpoint this movie because it is familiar in that Harry Potter, Sweeney Todd kind of way. I'm really glad they said that because it reminds me of that era so much. Yeah. And it's paying homage. It's not copying. It's its own thing. But it is, it's similar in that way. And I, I like that. Yeah. But that was what I was talking about with like how they, in their opinion, they think that Arthur Conan Doyle would like it because it's like original and exciting. I love that. But next they say, quote, Downey's hygiene challenge Tiro wears tatty bathrobes when not working on a case, seems barely coherent at times, and vents his frustrations through exhibition fighting matches that involve blood and bone crunching. As Watson, Jude Law provides perfect contrast to Holmes' general aura of slovenliness. Watson dresses with Victorian by way of GQ style, never shows a whisker out of place, and engages in fisticuffs only when all other options have been extinguished, end quote. He is very GQ in this movie. He's very good looking in this movie. He's sexy. You could say it. He's sexy. He is. He's, here's the thing. Everyone's sexy in this movie. I mean, the, the three leads, I'll say. Yeah, true. Next, they say, quote, Richie uses slow motion effects and flashbacks to terrific effect in showing how Holmes' mind works. In the short story, A Scandal in Bohemia, Holmes tells Watson, you see, but you do not observe. The distinction is clear. Here we see every detail that Holmes observes, and as portrayed by Downey, he's utterly incapable of less, to the point that it quite nearly drives him insane. As a colleague of mine put it, it's like if he has one more thing in his mind, something's going to have to leave, or it's going to explode. As fabulous as the action scenes and set pieces are, the best parts of the movie depict the bantering bromance between Holmes and Watson. Holmes can't stand the thought of Watson marrying and moving out of their shared quarters. He commits an act of nastiness so outrageous against Watson's girlfriend that we should hate him for it. But then Downey blinks those big puppy dog eyes and neither we nor Watson nor the girlfriend to her credit can stay angry for long end quote very true he gets his way could be mad at what woe me <laughs> what what did I do <laughs> who are you dude I don't even recognize you right now you're mad at me <laughs> he's he's that person where you yeah he's you can't hate him like a piece of shit and he'll do piece of shit things but everyone keeps coming back to him because they love him he's so, so goddamn charming yeah he is i appreciate that they um point out how they portrayed his mind and his thinking process pretty clever of a way to portray that like somebody who notices so many different details in things and like having the slow-mo and having like the flashbacks and having him like narrating in his head what he's noticing i think that's the perfect way to show that no definitely i've always appreciated how they represented this character he's intelligent to a fault mm -hmm. it is driving him crazy so that was the first one that was a positive one move on to the first negative one we have if you're ready Mm -hmm. So this one is by Tim Brayton from Alternate Ending from January of 2010, who gave it 2.5 out of 5, starting with, quote, It is not a pleasant feeling when you know before the end of a film's opening shot that you're not going to like it very much, and thus it was for me and the new Sherlock Holmes, beginning with Warner Bros. and Village Roadshow and Legendary Pictures logos marked out in wet cobbles. It pans up to a patently CGI depiction of late Victorian London, and the camera starts to move forward uncertainly, as though asking, well, 
Shall I zoom forward like a Ritalin addled music video? And then of course it does. Shooting forward with crazed abandon, jerking unsteadily as the CGI and live action elements are composited together rather less successfully than you would hope in this case. And it was in this moment, all of 15 seconds into the film, that I thought, damn it, this is absolutely a Guy Ritchie movie. End quote. Dang, people. See, I told you, that's that's all I knew about him, is that people hate him. Dang. What part of the movie? It's like in the opening when they're showing all the production logos, they they put them onto the, the ground. Oh, okay. Which this person did say, I cut this out, they had a parenthetical where they were saying like, I do think it's cool the ways that they find to incorporate their logos into their films, but I think the CGI was more of bothersome thing to them. I mean, that's fair, but if you're going to pick little things about this movie to critique, CGI is one of them. That's a easy target, but it's not a strong reason why to dislike this movie. Yeah. Because this movie is not heavily CGI. It's probably more than we realize. I think that's part of it. We also just don't pay attention to those parts of it, I think. Does it bother me to the point where like, mm-hmm. I'm not realizing how much CGI is in it? Sure, you can make your comments, but it is not... The CGI is is not a... It's not that distracting. It's not that distracting. It's not in every scene. I don't think it's a strong case to say this movie's bad because of it. Yeah, and they make other points, obviously. Right. But that is one of the things they say. Mm -hmm. But next, this person says, quote, Richie never seemed to me like the right choice to make a new film version of The Adventures of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's iconic detective. I don't mean to come across as some crabby Conan Doyle purist, mind you, because nobody likes a disgruntled conservative fanboy, but stick with me here. (laughs) If you're going to the trouble of making a Sherlock Holmes movie, you really should make a Sherlock Holmes movie. Because if the only goal is to present Robert Downey Jr. as a steampunk martial arts crime fighter, (laughs) I am 99% sure that you can do that without having to drag Sherlock Holmes into the mix and raising certain expectations that you have no real intention of fulfilling. Outside of a couple scenes where Holmes plays that parlor trick where he glances at a room or a person and goes on for two pages about all the tremendously specific things he can deduce about them, This depiction of the detective is much more about the fist fighting and much less about the clever mental processing, end quote. I think that is clever mental processing, though. Exactly. I don't know. Here's the thing. I didn't read a lot of those books growing up, uh, so I really have no say. But you did tell me earlier that it is canon that uh, Sherlock Holmes can fight. He could fight. Yeah. But was he going to underground fighting rings? I don't know. Well, that's lame of him if he didn't. This one. I don't know. I think what they wanted was boring. I like this movie because it's exciting. He can fight. He is smart. When can people just go, this is an interpretation. Just let it be. Or admit that you don't know enough about the character to say that this would never happen. Exactly. Plus, you said you're not a purist, so don't act like you know everything. Yeah. And again, this is his interpretation. But next, this person says, quote, The only thing that keeps this slightly chaotic film together is the interplay between Holmes and Watson, played respectively by Downey and Jude Law. I am not certain that this is entirely in accordance with the film's intentions. What makes Sherlock Holmes interesting when it is interesting is unabashed homoerotic take on the material. Homoeroticism is obviously not a new element in Holmes scholarship, of course, but this film is much more forthright about it than most. It is text rather than subtext. (laughs) It can be... It could be somewhat amusing to see that Law is fairly well alone in committing himself completely to this angle, but I did interesting by intent or not good for there something a bit garish and calculated about the way the men's relationship is played for humor, end quote. They thought it was interesting, but they were like wondering if they were making it homoerotic for laughs or for plot. 
Mm. They want to know if the intentions of making them homoerotic was like pure, I guess, or like not nefarious. Their banter's funny, but I don't think, I mean, I want to say the joke itself is that they're gay. I think that's just the bond of their relationship. Yeah, because they also, they also say they don't know if it was purposeful to make this so homoerotic. It can all... They were, history would say they're friends. They were roommates. They were roommates. That's the whole thing. They're playing. <laughs> there are a few jokes where it's like, there's a point where he has to unbuckle Watson's belt and he goes, don't get excited. Don't get too excited. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I think there is some self-awareness to it, but you know what? That is that is an interesting point to make. I still like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not. The, the gays love it from what I've seen. Yeah. They love it. Also, whatever the intentions were, we're going to take it and we're going to feel however we want to about it. Exactly. But I think that is an interesting point for them to bring up as a whole. Like, how intentional was that in the filmmaking? I wonder that too. If it was fully intentional, what was the angle they were trying to go for? It doesn't mean it takes away anything. They obviously, they enjoyed it. That part of it. I, li- I do like that. And I do agree with them. It is in your face. <laughs> homoerotic yeah sherlock holmes is throwing a fit the entire movie over it the entire movie yeah exactly and then let's see lastly they say quote Downey is, as should be no surprise whatsoever, the best in show here and really the only particularly positive element of the whole. Playing Holmes with the intense stare of the over-caffeinated, he nails the neurotic, socially unthinking elements of the character's persona, although as a whole, the performance feels too much like the actor's bag of ticks, carefully assembled to a pattern rather than erupting naturally out of the character, like Downey's fantastic turn in Iron Man. It is certainly not one of his stronger roles, although it is rare indeed that he's not fun to watch on screen. The supporting cast around him is nowhere up to the same task, especially Rachel McAdams giving the worst performance of her career. But the role she was stuck with is of virtually no value to the plot except as a device, and a particularly functional tool meant to prove that Holmes likes women. Law is decent, but has little energy. Mark Strong is not nearly the same thundering villain he was in The Young Victoria. Meanwhile, the story is vastly convoluted, far more than can be at all justified, and sets up a sequel with appallingly reckless abandon, and for a high-budget feature, the whole thing looks awfully cheap, especially those glassy CGI sets. The costume and production design are convincing, but hardly have the opulence of a major production, and Richie's particular directing quirks guarantee that nearly all of the set pieces are far more dizzy and draining than they are pleasant." End quote. I enjoyed everyone. I thought everyone did a good job. I wouldn't say that Rachel McAdams was particularly her strongest in this movie, personally, from other things I've seen her in. I didn't have a problem with her. It wasn't bad. I just know she could do better. That's fair. I don't agree with anything that this person's saying. I don't think this movie looked cheap. I thought this movie had really good production. I thought it looked good. Yeah, especially with the set design and costume design. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't either. But this next one is even lower, and they don't hold back. Oh. So this is from Michael W. Phillips Jr. from Goat Dogs Movies (laughs) from January of 2010, who gave it a 1.5 out of 5. This person starts out by saying, quote, The most obnoxious, loud, and visually slash orally assaultive film-going experience of 2009 was not Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen. But perhaps that's only because I didn't bother seeing that particular tentpole picture. 
No, it's Sherlock Holmes, the reboot, the reinvention, the what a view of the moribund Sherlock Holmes characters created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. This is a loud, stupid film <laughs> that seems incapable of providing enjoyment, seems designed to make audiences cringe in their seats for cover. It's not the worst film of the year, but it was the most unpleasant, end quote. Dang, that is a rough review. I don't agree. Wow. <laughs> you ever read a review and you're like, this person would hate me. I know. It's like, I got to be careful when I say this stuff out loud because I don't want someone hating me for liking Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> You're going to think I'm stupid. <laughs> This is like the first blockbustery movie that isn't like a classic, like really old one. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is just from our childhood blockbuster film made a ton of money its day. Yeah, this is just a blockbuster film that came out. It's like the first one we've done that isn't serious or isn't a children's movie. Yeah. yeah, this is my I'm not coming out and saying that I like it in front of people that I just met. It's such a paddable like this is the movie you take your family to go see like the parents yeah. It, it's what, it's paddable. It's very paddable. Palatable? Yes. But next, this person says, quote, As much as I adore Doyle's original stories and the Rathbone Bruce series of films from the 1930s and 40s, I didn't dislike this update because it's unfaithful to the source material. Certainly, there are things I could pick at. Holmes is primarily a man of thought, not physical action. And although he might learn a martial art and even master it, it would be for theoretical reasons, <laughs> not to engage in bloody cage fighting. And there are things I would praise about it as an adaptation, primarily the film's rescue of Dr. Watson from the clutches of bumblehood and idiocy that those treasured Rathbone Bruce films subjected him to. Here, as in the stories, Watson is a handy guy to have around, good with a gun, and faithful, but not in a dog-like way. End quote. Like, you bastardized my Sherlock Holmes. How dare you spit on the Bible? <laughs> they did like what they did to Watson. And I do like Watson's character. Because, like, I know he, yeah, he's the bumbling idiot sidekick sometimes. Yeah. It feels like they don't like people who are violent or bumbling. And if you're going to be violent, it needs to have some sense to it, is what it sounds like. Because he's good with a gun and he'll, like, use it if he needs to. Mm -hmm. But the way they talk about Holmes, it's like... I'm assuming that with British people, this is a little more heated of a topic than it is for us, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's just the way they're talking about it. It's like they, they ruined Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I also think in older adaptations, they make Watson, this is a random one, they make Watson older. Yeah. Non-sexy guy <laughs> instead of Jude Law. So <laughs> not even hot in your version. Th that's the thing, though. That's why we. Th this is why this. Ours are hot. To me, it just sounds like they don't like that they made Sherlock Holmes fight. That's all it sounds like because there's just them saying, although he might learn the martial art and master it, but it would only be for theoretical reasons. He wouldn't actually fight. Sherlock Holmes would never do that. <laughs> that's how that sentence feels, and I'm just like, okay, like they're mad. That they turned... How dare you say he would fight? Yeah, that he turned his beloved hero into a crime-fighting action hero, superhero kind of guy. No, I think it's more so like this person thinks that the fact that he does cage fighting in an underground fighting ring is scummy and not the highbrow Sherlock Holmes 
coke sniffing <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. He knows. Fair enough. But next they say, quote, This also has the benefit of giving Jude Law one of his best characters and performances in years. And Robert Downey Jr., as American as he is, pulls off the feat of being a pretty decent Holmes, one of the best, perhaps, and of making this iconic character his own. It's a nice blend of his jittery self-consciousness with Doyle's character's poise, a take on the master detective that implies, but doesn't dwell on, both his cocaine habit and manic depressive personality. To the two leads I say, good show, old chaps. End quote. <laughs> So they are British. They do recognize the cocaine doing. Huh. And they th they think that Downey is like one of the best Holmes portrayals. That's kind of odd because they were, it sounded like the opposite in the last paragraph. It sounded like they would have really not liked. That's odd. Well, I, I think they don't like how the characters, like the actions their characters were written to do, but they like the portrayals of both of them. Fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. I can get on board with that, but also, who cares if he's cage fighting? I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I did some edge. <laughs> Steampunk. <laughs> yeah, he's steampunk crime fighter. <laughs> Next they say, quote, No, it's not the undoyalness of it, but the guy richiness that turned me off. Turned me off isn't quite the right phrase, though. More like slapped me in the face repeatedly until I wanted to run out of the room. His obnoxious, percussively assaulting style, or what passes for style, drove me crazy from the opening credits. His particular fetish for violence was the most odious, as we have to endure Holmes's scientific dismantling of opponents not once, but twice. Once in slow motion, and again in real time. It's all very gross, and loud, and nonsensical, and unnecessarily long, and devoted, obviously, only to producing sequels. End quote. This sounds like, uh, what's the guy that wrote uh, Willy Wonka? Roald Dahl? Yeah, Roald Dahl. Hated children. Wrote five <laughs> characters about how the, that were, like, the type of children he hated. Yeah. This person hates anybody loud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he hates anybody violent. But, like, the only thing they hated was the fighting. <laughs> like they, It really upset them. They were so offended by the fighting. Like you said before, when they hate Guy Ritchie, they hate Guy Ritchie. I didn't know that was a thing. God damn. People really don't like him. Because literally, it seems like they liked most of this. They just didn't like that he'd be fighting. I would think they hated the whole thing. They just really don't like the fighting, it sounds like, because they like them. They think Robert's the best Sherlock they've seen. And they love what they did with Watson. Like, mm -hmm. they gave it a 1.5. It's it's insane to me because it's like this movie isn't that, it's PG-13 violence. It's not that bad. Like, I get it. Like, slow-mo watching someone getting punched isn't fun. I mean, it is. It is. But like, if In you don't movie. like violence, like, it's kind of gross. Right. It is, it is gross to watch somebody's like face move like that when they get punched to some people. But again, it's something a 13 year old can digest at least yeah it just seems like a stuffy old british person big mustache monocle top head <laughs> coats and tails the whole shebang and just go oh dear good heavens good heavens <laughs> <laughs> by george oh good heavens <laughs> sorry <laughs> I guess this is the British version of clutching your pearls like an old Southern lady. Yes, yes. All right, we're, learn we're learning something about culture today. Oh my God. But yeah, that was really the only critique they had. That's insane. That To give it a 1.5. <laughs> to hate it that bad. Dang, okay. It's one thing if like Sherlock Holmes was a murderer. 
<laughs> you know, in this movie. And it goes against everything Sherlock Holmes is in the books. It just feels classist. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's like, it's just the fact that it's like an underground crime ring, like fighting ring. Technically, he's a criminal. And you said that my beloved Sherlock Holmes is a criminal. Yeah. And he's not a criminal. He catches criminals. Like, they can't fathom the idea of a flawed, <laughs> a flawed character. Yeah. He does cocaine. He does cocaine. And they admit it, too. And just because it's not, it's not illegal yet, because they don't know it's a drug. Uh-huh. Does it make it not cocaine? <laughs> Still, it's probably the purest form of cocaine you could ever do. No kidding. Oh my god, it's it's crazy that he's a he doesn't have a heart attack. <laughs> he's running in this movie. How does he not die? He should be studied by science. Okay? He, he is. It's himself. He's studying himself. Uh, but this next one's our last one. It's from Joshua Starnes from Coming Soon from January of 2010. And it's an 8 out of 10. And they say, quote, It's Victorian England and crime is afoot. And that can only mean one thing. Sherlock Holmes is on the case. After a considerable absence from the big screen, Holmes is set to return in all of his clue-deducing kung fu action adventure glory. Wait, what? Yes, Holmes and venerable associate Watson have been given the full Hollywood makeover. Not content merely to observe, deduce, and explain, Holmes and co. jump into the fray with fists and guns blazing. Can fists blaze? <laughs> Never mind. Doesn't matter. In Guy Ritchie's big-budget attempt at the detective. And it more or less works mainly because of Downey's ability to get you to go along with whatever he's doing. End quote. Fists can be ablaze if it's Robert Downey Jr.'s. He said they were, so they are. Mm-hmm. Boom. Does that hurt? Feel hot? <laughs> Quote, there's quite a bit from the original material at play, only more so. Like any good adaptation, Richie and his cater of screenwriters have kept what they liked and minimalized what they didn't, staying faithful to the original but certainly putting their own stamp on it. Tossed out the window wholesale is Holmes' aloofness and Watson's dodged loyalty. Our modern day versions bicker and fight more like real brothers than perfect fictional archetypes. <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, no. That's <laughs> not how I read it. <laughs> and that's the real trick that makes Sherlock Holmes play. It would have been extremely easy to treat the character with kid gloves instead of as a role to be performed, to take him only as far as the material goes, but no further. Downey and Richie's version, however, it would be a real stretch to say he seems like a real person. He's far too, too much larger than life for that, but he doesn't feel boxed in by the material. After Blackwood rises from the dead, Holmes finds himself hired by a secret cabal of would-be magicians to find out what Blackwood is up to and stop him. As he and Watson examine the remains of Blackwood's grave, it's the perfect time for the film to stop for the classic Holmes battle cry, the game's afoot. But rather than stop there, Downey and Law continue on through the end of the quote from Shakespeare's Henry V, turning the moment from a staged recreation to a real private joke between friends. And it's so much more affecting that way. It's as if the characters of the book were a water down version left to us by Holmes' biographers, while this version is closer to how it really was. If you squint real hard, it is almost always in the moments with its characters, especially between Holmes and Watson, that Sherlock Holmes really shines. It's a bit of a one-sided relationship, however. Watson by himself isn't particularly interesting, only in his reflection and reaction to Holmes. But that's okay, because when Holmes is on screen, it's hard to care about much else. End quote. True. He's the Joker of this He's movie. He's the Joker of the movie. Steals the show. <laughs> and the only time anyone else did a good job is when they're reacting to him. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I think that's something that like even the people who hated this movie can agree that their dynamic is the best part of it. The banter is so good. 
The next they say, quote, the filmmakers have done an excellent job in conceiving the homes they want to portray, but this really is a case of the singer, not the song. Downey's Holmes is irascible, exploitative, and rude, but also energetic and ready for a brawl whenever it comes his way. It's over the top as all get out, but in Downey's hands, it works. The only thing really missing is Holmes' classic deductive ability, which only gets a few uses, leaving him more of an action hero than a detective. But it's only a small false note among a handful handful of generally excellent ones. The production design and cinematography are first rate, the smallest characters are well drawn and used, and Hans Zimmer delivers one of the best scores in years. Purists can, and certainly will, spend much time arguing how much is true to the material and how much was changed, but the rest won't and shouldn't care. The fact is, Sherlock Holmes is just downright entertaining. Don't look too far under the surface because much of it is quite typical big-budget adventure filmmaking, but on the surface, it's got a great regard for character and humor, more so than a lot of films of its stripe, and terrific performance from Downey to tie it all together. There are other flashy movies out there for people who prefer that, but if Sherlock Holmes is proof of anything, it's that a great actor is the best effect of all end quote i love that that's why we like it. exactly <laughs> don't look don't think about it so hard and you'll like it don't look at it for too long exactly don't don't think about the books don't think about the original character just enjoy what what's in the movie something i agree with i don't know if you agree with this but if you if you look too deep into it underneath the portrayals of the characters and like the dynamics it is really just like a big budget adventure action movie. Yeah. I love the second to last sentence, the way they say that. That's how I'm going to defend this movie to the day I die. Mm -hmm. Don't look too far under the surface because much of it is quite typical big budget adventure filmmaking, but on the surface, it's got a great regard for character and humor, more so than a lot of films of its stripe. That terrific performance from Downey. That's all it needs. Just don't look at it for too long. Don't, exactly. No, don't. If you're going to talk bad about it, you can't have it. It's, 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 I'm not going to let you see it anymore. <laughs> you can't play with it anymore. So that was the last review. Did you have anything else you wanted to say with this one or did you, are you ready to move on? No, I think they nailed it. Okay. So I think I typed it up here about like some of the ones I didn't really include as much, but a lot of people who didn't like it, they either prefer the thirties and forties adaptations that that second to last review was talking about, mm -hmm. or they prefer the show Sherlock. With Benedict. Go ahead. <laughs> Cumberbutt. Benedict Cumstain. <laughs> did you hear what I said? What did you say? Benedict Cumstain. <laughs> It's Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. But, so yeah, I, I tried not to include those ones because, like, neither of us have seen those. I didn't want to sit here going, eh, never seen it, so I don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. There might be some in there. I don't want to say that and act like I didn't do it at all. I'm sure there's some mentions, but. Mm -hmm. So the first one I have is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled Unexpectedly Excellent from April of 2010. Hi, just watched this film, waited for it to come out on DVD. I was very pleasantly enthralled. I enjoyed the Sherlock reinterpretation and Watson's character. Richie managed to take out the old stuffy British thing and replace it with fresh, vibrant modernity. I look forward to seeing the follow-up in cinema, though, this time. Okay, gotta stretch this out to 10 lines, otherwise the site doesn't publish. What can I say? Robert Downey Jr. is looking hot. <laughs> he has certainly kept fit, and no Botox either. That's so refreshing to see. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Jude Law was also looks nice and normal. Not like so many actors who's had plastic surgery these days. Oh, and finally, I love the dog. Can't remember his name. English bulldog and all that. Great stuff. I love that. I feel like I wrote this. <laughs> okay, gotta think. Need 10 more lines. I'm gonna tell you guys about that. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., you're hot. <laughs> There were a lot of 10 out of 10s, and a lot of them had um, scores like this, where this one has one out of four found this helpful. 
So, <laughs> oh, dang. People were mad if people liked it on IMDb. That is so weird. This next one's four and a half stars from 2019 on Letterboxd. Cannot take complaints about RDJ's English accent seriously when I spent three years of my life thinking he was one of us. <laughs> that's fucking funny. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that happens to English people too. Because that's how I felt about Christian Bale. Yeah. I didn't know he was British for so long. When an actor is that good and they make me forget that I learned that they were British or Australian or whatever, they keep playing American characters. And I'm like, that's an American right there if I've ever seen one. And they never slip. They don't. Three and a half stars from Letterboxd from 2020. The first hour was banging, but then it kind of went downhill after that. I love Guy Ritchie and the fight scenes were so tasty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is perfect for the role. Just a shame how it ends up going downhill. I can't wait to watch the second one. I get what they're saying because like it, there's a point where it starts dragging a little. It starts dragging a little bit, I would say. It could have been edited at some points. Mm -hmm. Once you start feeling them setting up the sequel and after the fact knowing there's going to be a sequel, it's like, oh, this is all just exposition for the sequel. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think it's so bad it takes away from the movie. But I get what they're saying, though. This next one's also three and a half stars from 2019 on Letterboxd. Big thanks to Sherlock for teaching me that discombobulate is the best word the English language will ever come up with <laughs> i think i i went through these a little bit and I don't, I don't know if it's in here or not i think it's the next one and don't fucking say anything <laughs> i'm not gonna say okay go ahead go ahead <laughs> four stars 2022 in letterboxd daddy downey can discombobulate me <laughs> any day of the week it almost looks good like i need someone <laughs> i need him to do that to my back but also, this sentence is like a vocal exercise, like a vocal warm-up. Daddy Downey can discombobulate me any day of the week. <laughs> See how fast I can go through it. Daddy Downey can discombobulate me. <laughs> You're going to get tripped up on discombobulate every time. I know. It's going to take a minute. Try to. Go ahead. Daddy Downey can discombobulate me any day of the week. That was pretty good. I did it pretty good. Dude, I didn't know you could do that. I'm in the zone right now. <laughs> the Daddy Downey zone. <laughs> Aren't you? I'm a pulling a Sherlock right now. <laughs> Three broken ribs. <laughs> <laughs> this next one's from IMDb. It's one out of ten, titled My God, <laughs> from 2010. And they say, if I were a supercomputer built to ruin Sherlock Holmes, I could not have done a better job. <laughs> Sir, this is like the 2010 version of saying, I think AI wrote this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if I was a supercomputer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so funny that people, even people back then were like, no human being wrote this. AI wasn't a real, like it was a growing concept, you know, like a futuristic fear. Yeah, we couldn't even fathom what people use AI for today. It's crazy how much what 14 years has brought on. Because back in the day, the concept of AI was like an automaton robot. Yeah, Terminator. Yeah, it wasn't like a program. <laughs> that like... one dude just like pushes a button and then like hundreds of people lose their jobs. Google, show me this guy's balls, please. <laughs> It's from an Eric Andre skit. Oh, is it not Paul Rudd? Oh, I'm confusing some stuff. That's funny. But anyway, uh, so they say, if I were <laughs> if I were a supercomputer built to ruin Sherlock Holmes, I could not have done a better job. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle came back to life just to die again of embarrassment. Maybe if anyone in Hollywood ever bothered to read the source material, tragedies like this would happen less. Even though Holmes is one of the most recognizable names in literature, they decided that he wasn't badass enough and turned him into a friggin' UFC fighter. <laughs> Instead of solving cases, he just beats the crap out of everyone. <laughs> if you liked this movie, you are the problem with American cinema. <laughs> and it's hot, and I like it. Leave me alone. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> the 
fact that they were like, they need to read the source material. They all grew up reading the source material. I don't know what you're talking about. This is their interpretation. Jude Law is also British. I think it's, it's, I don't even know what American thing I can compare that to. Like that we all just have to read. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. I don't know. I don't think it's that universal. Batman to some extent, like comic books and stuff. I was thinking like classic literature. Oh. <laughs> but also he does solve cases still. Yeah. I don't know why people are just going, he doesn't just beat the crap out of everyone, which he does, but intellectually. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of good that people were, there were a good handful of people that were averse to violence. Mm -hmm. But why this movie? Why not like... It's PG-13. Why not like... Uh, uh... I can't think of it. Why is Top Gun the only movie that I can come to mind? I don't even, I've never even seen Top Gun. Yeah, I'm gonna move on. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I never really have. <laughs> never really have. Never really have. Four stars from 2018 on Letterboxd. I have no idea what made Guy Ritchie reimagine the world of Sherlock Holmes as a brawler video game. Like, it is the weirdest thing that Holmes and Watson just tear through London beating the shit out of everyone in a real crunchy, thuddy way. And there are boss battles and everything but also it makes complete sense and i set up camp five minutes into this thing and never wanted to leave very good stuff there you go that's that's how i feel in a crunchy thuddy way <laughs> they're just tearing shit up they do cause a lot of property damage in this movie so un understandable kicking ass and taking names mm -hmm. i feel like this next one is you okay okay all right there's no stars from january 2024 on letterboxd when I was a kid, I was so positive I could do all of this shit. Like, <laughs> give me a little time and drop me in London and I've got it. Put me in that little ring that he's in. I, I could have done all that discombobulate. I could have done that shit. <laughs> Put him up. Put him up. <laughs> Play that, uh, that banjo song. I'm going. <laughs> Four stars from 2018 on Letterboxd. Sherlock saying, don't get excited as he undoes Watson's belt. Did you say gay? <laughs> <laughs> That's like late into the movie too. There's so much... I was like watching it the first 15 minutes. I was like, good Lord. And I was like, this man's in love with him. He he does not want him to go. Your friends don't get that mad that you're getting married. No, they don't get that jealous. Also, there's an expectation with roommates that one or both of you will move out eventually. There's no uh, expectation that you'll live together until you're old and die. Your lifelong platonic roommate. Yeah. History of seven friends. Yeah. Uh -uh. <laughs> His companion. Yeah. But yeah, that is that just puts the gay cherry on top of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The belt buckle is it? Yeah, they went for it. Mm -hmm. If it was intentional, that was that was a that was a more like eh, let's throw a a good one in there, you know. It feels like a 2009 way to like acknowledge that they have like homoerotic tension, but also like the fact that they added a love interest in for Holmes, just being like, oh, this is just the bromance, mm -hmm. guys. No. Get your mind out of the gutter. They don't. Well, they don't want to do stuff. <laughs> Bisexuality isn't real. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no. Just because they have a girlfriend doesn't mean that they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> Two stars from 2021 on Letterboxd. As an apologist for Guy Ritchie's big sleek blockbusters, Man from Uncle and King Arthur, I still find this movie to be largely boring and complicated in a thoughtless, circuitous way. One of Hans Zimmer's best scores, though. And I agree. Uh, yeah. As an apologist for Guy Ritchie. That's so funny. It's just funny knowing there's one side of the spectrum that hates Guy Ritchie and doesn't like this movie because it's usually because of the fighting. And then the other side of the spectrum, Guy loves Guy Ritchie but doesn't like this movie because he thinks it's boring. I think that's very funny. 
Yeah. That you could have two sides of the office, opposite spectrum and they're saying two completely different things about the movie. They both hate it. Yeah. And we're in the middle. Like, I don't even know who that is. I don't know who that is. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a fan or not. I do like this movie and the second one. I haven't seen the second one yet, so the see if it holds up. But I, I do like this movie a lot. Yeah. Three and a half stars from 2017 on Letterboxd. I think I'm a little too dumb for this because I don't know what was going on, but RDJ was handcuffed naked to a bed. Wow. <laughs> there was a point where I'm like, I gotta turn on subtitles. I cannot, I, I gotta know what they're saying. It is a little complicated too. It is. And they're very quick and witty sometimes, like too quick. I'm like, that, that was mumbled. I cannot hear, <laughs> I cannot hear them. Three stars from 2019 on Letterboxd. Sherlock. No, Watson, don't leave me for a girl. You're so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally the whole damn movie. Heavy-handedly. Three stars from 2020 on Letterboxd. Are they, you know? Yes. <laughs> I'm imagining your mom asking it. Yeah. Without trying to be offensive. <laughs> she doesn't know how to ask it. I think we would just mess with her. Yeah. <laughs> Are they, what? She would go, there's so many letters. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> the alphabet soups. I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite one. <laughs> Two stars from... <laughs> Two stars from January of 2024 on Letterboxd. Poop and pee. I respect it. You didn't like the movie. Okay. Yeah, this is artful. You could frame that. Put that on my grave. <laughs> Poop and pee. This is no stars from 2020 on Letterboxd. I do like this one as comfort food. It has enough muscle to give it some texture over the very comforting to watch milk toast Marvel movies, but the mainstream demands of the movie reign in guys' more smuggy tendencies, leading to a thoroughly enjoyable compromise. Fairly smug and fairly milk toast. I find I do like this one. Wonderfully, when I noticed that they go straight from Parliament to Tower Bridge, three kilometers distance, <laughs> in the finale, I found that I did not care a jot. Perhaps I am finally growing up. I love this one because this person obviously knows the layout of the city. And <laughs> that's so fucking funny. You're like, that's too far to walk. That's too <laughs> far to get there at this time. I love that they didn't care because the movie's just entertaining in that way. Because I, I was going to the goofs and it was a bunch of shit like that where it was like, that's actually, you couldn't just walk there and this was that far. It's too far. To, this wouldn't be next to this. And I'm like, I do not care. <laughs> but I do appreciate a person like this that realizes giving a shit about that is immature. It's not helpful. No stars from 2020 on Letterboxd. Imagine this, but with a Wes Anderson aesthetic. I think I would like it. I think the idea of it in the way that um, you said, like, they're very quick and, like, witty. It could work very well. Yeah. The little banjo. That, that's It sounds kind of Wes Anderson-y, this score. Definitely. I like the gray, though. The gray, bluish kind of thing going on. Yeah. But I, I'd be... It, we would both be lying if we said we wouldn't be interested, at least. I know. I, I'm intrigued now. This is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled Tremendous, one of my favorite movies of the year from 2009. What a ride. Sherlock Holmes left me giddy. I absolutely loved it. It was thrilling, funny, stylish, fast-paced, and brilliantly acted. Downey Jr. is a delight to look at. He eats up the screen. He gives the character all sorts of mannerisms and nuances which really bring Holmes to life like never before. The chemistry and interplay between him and Jude Law is hilarious. I wasn't a big fan of Rachel McAdams' performance, but it didn't detract from the experience. I felt she just didn't bring as much to the table as the others. Kind of like Katie Holmes in Batman Begins. Guy Ritchie really outdoes himself here. The way he uses the camera, the motion, the fluidity, the snappy pacing. I loved every minute of it. A really fantastic movie. Well done. 
that's a little how I felt. I have never seen Katie Holmes in Batman Begins, but it's kind of like Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight kind of thing, where it's like, you didn't do a bad job. It's just like, there's not, a, your character doesn't stand out. Yeah, that's not your fault. But there's a way to make a character like that stand out. True. That's a fair argument. But I did like how they described it. I absolutely loved it. It was thrilling, funny, stylish, fast-paced, really acted. Like, that's how I felt when I watched it first when I was a kid. You feel giddy? Yeah, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I just spit. <laughs> that's how excited I am. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this this is the fun take on it, and I feel like that's the childlike view of it that we had when we watched it, and it held up for us. Mm -hmm. But what would you rate Sherlock Holmes if you if you had to, and you do? <laughs> if you had to, and you do, this is not a choice. <laughs> that was so funny, so threatening. I realized what I said, and I was like, oh, you 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 do have to, but you do have to. <laughs> But just pretend like it, there's no pressure, you know? I almost want to put it at an 8 out of 10 just because it held up so well for me. Yeah. I would also say an 8 for the same reasons. Yes. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I think I've said too much. <laughs> Like we have. <sighs> okay. So if you have any movies you want to recommend to us or if you have any feedback for us, you can message us on our Instagram at Easy Bake Takes. We also have a TikTok at Easy Bake Takes. We have our website, easybaketakespodcast.com. Don't forget to follow us wherever you listen. Leave a review if you can and share us with a friend because it really helps us out <laughs> a lot. And thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. Bye. This has been... Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> It's been like, it's been like a month to. since that happened. <laughs> I overthought it. You got too eager. I got too excited. That's his eager face. <laughs> this has been Easy Big Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>